0: boards geopolitical challenges and diversity over the last years the world has been stage of numerous events that had a deep impact on business the geopolitical dynamics have evolved and will continue to evolve in the foreseeable future their complexity is growing and impact become deeper and broader companies operating in more than one jurisdiction are particularly vulnerable to the risks of geopolitics although geopolitical dynamics can also present opportunities as well can boards afford to remain out of the conversation or is the boardroom the best place to build resilience and pave the way to opportunity i'm delighted to talk with nazib abu khalil Nazeep was named one of the top 20 corporate legal officers by the Financial Times in June 2021. He held senior legal roles at Yahoo, GE Oil & Gas, Etisalat, Salat and TMF Netherlands, and most recently as chief legal officer at Nokia. His work on equity, inclusion and diversity was in 2019 recognized by the Minority Corporate Council Association, which named Nokia Employer of Choice, and presented him with the award for outstanding contribution to diversity and inclusion in 2022. Nazip was also included in the top 2019, 2020, 2021 outstanding LGBT plus role model list. Welcome to the BetterBoards podcast series. I'm Dr. Sabine Demkowski, founder and managing partner of BetterBoards. We make the boards of the most ambitious organizations more effective. Our mission at BetterBoards is to contribute to creating Better boards. We do this by providing clients with an evidence-based approach for board evaluations and board development programs. We created an innovative digital platform our clients can use for the internal or as part of their fully facilitated external board evaluations. We also work together with some of the leading professional service firms. To fulfill our mission, we give a voice to all who care about creating better boards. Nazib, thank you ever so much for contributing to the Better Boards podcast series. Thank you, Sabine, for the
1: opportunity. I'm thrilled to be here with you and to be speaking on this topic that I'm both passionate about and I think is very important.
0: We have to thank you, Nazib, and people read your bio. It's very, very impressive. You had a, a long legal career that led you to hold positions in Toronto, in Amsterdam, Abu Dhabi, Doha, Helsinki, and Dubai. You pretty much worked across the globe. What are your key learnings working in all these different jurisdictions?
1: Indeed, I will start by stating the obvious. And the obvious is that the complexity is enormous. But I will qualify that by saying that it is not unsurmountable, And this is the important takeaway to keep in mind. Key to me to working and being successful in a multi-jurisdictional environment is number one, to always keep an open mind. The world is extremely diverse. And second, and that's even more important than keeping an open mind, is assuming that you know nothing. I have discovered and learned things that I never expected, working on issues in numerous jurisdictions, and those have been tremendously enlightening and learning experiences. It is not just about managing complex laws, but it's also about values and which values prevail. And it's important to keep that in mind. Reconciling contradictions, whether it's in terms of cultures, whether it's in terms of laws, or whether it's in terms of contradictions and conflicts between values and laws when operating in a multi-jurisdictional environment. It is a delicate exercise in understanding, foreseeing, mitigating, and managing.
0: That's a very interesting point. You talk about values here. I mean, we come to this maybe later, but it's a very delicate balance. How did you manage to strike the right tone? Any tips already on that one?
1: <laughs> the fundamental premise, in my view, to striking the right tone is to start by understanding all the perspectives. And usually, in most cases, there are two perspectives, understanding the perspectives and engaging in a constructive dialogue that allows the sharing and the gaining of experiences and opinions. I'll give you an example. A few years ago, a company that I worked for acquired A subsidiary in a region which wasn't really completely compatible in the way things operated in that region with its own compliance values. And their primary objectives was to ensure that they managed compliance in accordance with their own values. In order to achieve that, The fundamental principles, the first basic approach that I took at the time was to engage in a dialogue where I've spent an enormous amount of time invested in explaining to the local subsidiary and the people who worked in it, what are the values of the global entity and explaining back to the global entity how things worked regionally in a way that allowed an alignment on values in both parts of the operations, the global one and the regional one.
0: I mean, that leads me to the question, which in part already answered now, you helped more than one company, actually, to foresee, mitigate, and manage the consequences of geopolitical risks, particularly in times like these. We face big, big challenges. Can you tell us a bit more about this experience?
1: I have done a lot of work in various parts of the world, and over the 25 years of my career or more, I have seen many events that had had an impact on how business operates. In my experience, in my view, the first principle is that there is no one-size-fits-all, and the approach taken in every case needs to be well adapted to the specific business and other relevant circumstances of the organization. All of these need to be taken into account when assessing the impact of a certain development on the operation of an organization. And from that perspective, I believe that boards play a critical role. Foreseeability is achieved through engagements with regulators and other geopolitical experts and analysts. And therefore, bringing those conversations and those understandings at the level of the board, and at the level of the organization is critical. So multi-stake engagement, multi-stakeholder engagement, shall I say, is essential in gaining understanding and gaining knowledge and insights in what's going on, outside of the organization. Then the second thing that is very important is mitigation. Mitigation is critical because insights alone doesn't help solve or achieve anything. And mitigation is generally achieved through a mix of tools, policies, for example, a human rights policy, a code of conduct, or a whistleblower policy, procedures and also are important, but also in-house expertise, either within the legal team that could embody expertise in various areas of the law, like trade compliance, like human rights or others, or corporate governance, also expertise in government affairs experts, ESG experts, and various experts. Stakeholder involvement is also equally important. So having the expertise is not enough, but involving the right people in the thinking and the decision-making process is critical. And finally, the management of the issues. And this is really about giving it all the visibility, giving the issue all the support and and thinking through solutions that are adaptable to the needs of the organization.
0: You know, we've mentioned it many, many times on this podcast series, when I review board agendas, it's full of governance issues, it's full of operational issues, particularly lately. There is not many organizations make really room and devote time to these geopolitical issues. And there's always a discussion, is this a board level conversation or should it be left to the specialists and senior management?
1: In my view, it is essential for this to be a board-level conversation. And why? The board is potentially one of the bodies that is best placed for future-proofing an organization. And one of the most important tasks of the board in this context is weighing in on the strategy of a company. And in my view, assessing and deciding how a company addresses its geopolitical risks, its geopolitical footprint, is a crucial part of the development of the overall strategy of that company. Why? Because there are real trade-offs. There are real business choices to be made, and there are real legal risks. Management and employees often find themselves conflicted between the immediate gains and the long-term value creation that companies need to generate for their stakeholders. And boards are better placed to make these decisions because they are more removed from the day-to-day operations and the pressures of immediate financial delivery. Examples of this are decisions on the geographical spread of an organization. Should an organization operate in all geographies where it is currently operating, or should it focus on certain geographies because of the potential returns on investment in those geographies and because of the risks of operating in others and what those risks create and what those how these risks impact the overall operations? of an organization. Supply chain is another area where decisive decisions have to be made. R&D, can companies in the current geopolitical environment afford to invest in R&D in every geography where they're operating? Or should they think about a new R&D footprint in order to optimize their operations and in order to future-proof and in order to be more risk resilient in this environment and in future environments. So yes, this is a board-level discussion. Of course, not in every detail, but at the strategic level.
0: What are some of the biggest threats you have seen to boards effectively future-proofing themselves? What are some of the red flags that boards should really look out for?
1: I'm going to give you a very simple answer to this question. Because in my view, the biggest threat to boards in future proofing themselves is potentially the lack of diversity in boards. In my experience, the power of diverse perspectives invariably leads to better decision-making, to broader insights. The lack of diversity and diverse perspective challenges in perspective is potentially one of the greatest red flags. It is a fact that we are operating in an increasingly global environment, and the complexity of managing globalization is becoming greater and greater. Best and most efficient way of managing this complexity of globalization is ensuring that many voices are heard around the table, many perspectives are shared, and the board is not blindsided. And here, I really mean true and genuine diversity. And in my view, this is best achieved through a different approach to staffing boards. What I have observed in the last few years, and not just at board levels, but at many levels, is that people look for experience when they're filling vacancies or where they're looking for people to work with them. And in my view, this is probably a big risk and a big threat what we should be all focusing on is potential and not experience. Why? Because people with experience are those who have been always given the opportunities and they have always been confined or aligned to a certain way of thinking and to a certain perspective. People with potential have potentially a broader perspective. They didn't get necessarily the opportunities, but they deserve them. They are able to fulfill the requirements of the job and in addition, they can bring a diversity of perspective to the board.
0: When I work with boards in the UK and uh, in Germany or the Netherlands, it is very evident that boards are quite confined, depending where the headquarter is, yeah, boards have nationals where the headquarter is uh, located. Yes, you see men, women, you see a greater distribution now of women joining, but Is this really diverse, what we are seeing at the moment?
1: I think it's essential to have a clear understanding of how we define diversity. I've always thought of diversity as diversity in the broadest sense of the world. So it's not enough to focus on gender diversity or on age diversity, but it's also important to focus on broader sense of diversity, cultural experience racial, social mobility, and other aspects of diversity. And if you think about the fact that many of those companies are actually operating in a hugely diverse environment, how can they claim to be effective in their management of their organization when their boards do not reflect the environment in which they are operating? So from my perspective, I'll probably be controversial in saying that nationalism is potentially not conducive to diversity. So if a company wants to achieve diversity, they need to take a conscious decision to move away from the nationalistic approach that they use in order to build the composition of their board.
0: You know, our listeners really like practical and actionable insights, yeah? Can you share here some actions boards can uh, take to improve their resilience towards future shocks? I mean, your remedy is A, uh, an important one, is diversity. Can you elaborate on that? Perhaps in
1: terms of improving resilience and practical examples, I would potentially say three things before I speak about diversity as such. One, first of all, move the conversation to the boardroom. Don't avoid it. Two, hear from and give a voice to the experts in the organization and from outside. Bring in voices from the outside. Have it outside in view in order to understand what's going on in the world. And three, at the board level, identify the most critical and impactful topics and give them time. Take the time to deep dive into them, giving management input and direction. So these would be my three recommendations. Obviously, boards should not become a substitute to management. We need to lead the effort on mitigating and managing geopolitical risks and other operational risks, but they have a very important role to play. The biggest risk on diversity is defining diversity narrowly, in my view. Mm. So the broader the definition of diversity the greater the voices around the table and the better the perspective shared. How to achieve that, pragmatic ways of achieving that. I have, for example, resorted to tools like the Mansfields rule in order to fulfill recruitments. The Mansfields rule was developed for the legal profession specifically, but it could be applied anywhere. But what it requires is to ensure a diverse pipeline for every recruitment. And that's a way of mitigating the risk of not having sufficient diversity on the board. The most essential element really in order to achieve it is to want it and to genuinely commit to it. There's nothing more important than a commitment.
0: So what are the three things our listeners should take away from this podcast?
1: The three things I would say are, number one, geopolitical dynamics are here to stay, and everything is temporary. Keep in mind that the decision you make today may come back to haunt you tomorrow. If you exit a country today because of the geopolitical dynamics, this doesn't mean that you won't re-enter it in five or 10 years, and people will remember your actions. Two... I would say, focus on diversity. What it means, look for potential and not experience and define diversity in the broadest sense and commit to it. And three, build awareness, including self-awareness by understanding your geopolitical dependencies, by understanding your footprint, by understanding your operations. Awareness is the beginning of the journey.
0: Fantastic, Nazib. Thank you so, so much for contributing to the Better Boards podcast series.
1: Thank you, Sabine. It's been a pleasure talking to
0: you today. How can we help you and your board? We at Better Boards are always delighted to hear from you. You can best reach us at info at better As always, thank you for listening.